Excited to see you guys. Uh, before we jump into the Word, i got to tell you guys uh, about something, uh, and I just need everybody to know this. Next week, next week we are celebrating Refuge Church turning one year old. Super excited, so excited for next week. <clears throat> so excited to celebrate. Uh, we're going to celebrate what uh, God did this past year. Uh, which was awesome, and then we're going to celebrate what we believe he is going to do uh, the rest of this year in 2023. Uh, it's going to be an incredibly fun day, uh, just like any birthday party, all right? It is more fun to celebrate with friends and family, right? Uh, so what I want you to do is in each seat, there is, or maybe the seat next to you, there is a business card that says Sundays at 10 for Refuge. Would you guys pick that up and hold it for me? I want to see it. Thank you, dear. I see that. All right, all right. Some of you guys are holding out on me. I'm going to wait on you. I'm going to wait. Jim, I'm not calling you out or anything, but I'm making eye contact and I said your name on stage. Sorry. <laughs> hey, uh, pick that invite card up, give it to someone, and say, you should come with me on the 15th. Our church is new. It's turning one. It's a party. Uh, here's the deal. They just might say yes. Maybe. They might say no, but guess what? If you don't invite them, they're not going to know about it. The answer's already know. If you shake, take that shot, they might say yes. Uh, the kids' team has fun activities for the kids in class. Uh, we're going to have cupcakes for everybody. We're going to have some refuge swag, some free T-shirts, some free hoodies. Um, the beanies are not going to make it in time. I'm sorry. All right, I know some of you guys are excited about that. I uh, got a little delay there, but hey, uh, first come, first serve, right? <laughs> Swag, stuff we all get, like my Michael Scott voice. All right, so hey, uh, don't miss the opportunity uh, to celebrate what God has done uh, this year and bring someone with you. Uh, I'm so excited for next week. It's going to be a good time. Uh, and so uh, just be here next week. Come early. Bring a friend. Uh, it's going to be a great Sunday. Uh, last week, we started a little mini-series called it Sprinkle. Uh, we're talking about uh, money, talking about stewardship, talking about how God uh, operates, uh, how we should operate in a way that honors God with our finances. Um, and so this has been on the docket for over a year. This wasn't something where I was like, the church is struggling, we need money. I just feel like this is something we have to talk about. It's not just uh, us talking about stuff that we want to or me talking about things that I want to. It's about getting into God's word and giving the whole counsel of God. Didn't get any amens on that when I said I was talking about money. But hey, I'm going to give you the whole counsel of God, not just what I want to talk about, of what God's word says. And so our goal for this series uh, is for you to take your next step uh, with generosity. Uh, there's always a next step. Life is not stationary. So our goal for everyone here is to take the next step with your finances, to become a better steward of what God has blessed you with. Now, our lives are a little bit like icebergs, all right? Go back. Did a double tap on accident. There we go. Right. Our lives are a little bit like icebergs. Uh, we can see people's actions up here. We can see the top half. But what we don't see is what's underneath the surface. We see what's above. We see the actions. All right, so we might see that a person is, is short and irritable above the surface. Uh, but what we don't see is what's below the surface. We don't see their potential financial struggles, the fight they had with their spouse, the, the empty pantry, the demeaning boss, or any number of other things. We only see what's above the surface. We don't see those things below the surface. And so what we want to do is look underneath the surface when it comes toward God and our money, or maybe our attitude towards God and money, to not just give actions that are above the surface, because uh, sometimes that's what we want to do as people. We want to clean it up on top but not deal with the root cause, not deal with what's underneath. Okay, so we want to get to underneath the surface to see what the heart level is going on. Here's our passage uh, for this series. I've got a few words in yellow if you'll help me out with them. Uh, it's 2 Corinthians 9, 6 through 8. 
Remember this, a farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop, but the one who plants generously will get a crop. There we go. Verse 7 here. You must each decide in your heart how much to give, and don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure, for God loves a person who gives. This is the last one. Let's be loud. God will provide all you need, then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. All right, we unpacked that, that passage last week. This is our, our verse for this little mini-series. Three thoughts, one from each verse. Uh, what you plant determines what you harvest. You, how you plant determines how you will harvest, okay? If you plant a little, you're just going to get a little. If you plant a lot, you're going to get a lot. And then it says to be a cheerful giver, that we should be cheerful givers. Uh, and then the last one, God has got this. He's got it. He's going to give you everything you need. What you plant determines what you harvest. Be a cheerful giver. God has got this. Now, Paul is writing that to the church in Corinth. That's why it's called uh, Corinthians. Uh, and uh, he said that uh, he's talking to the church in Corinth because he's going to bring an off. He's going to take up an offering. He's getting ready to go there. He wants to visit them. And so uh, he's going there. But in chapter 8, he kind of sets it up before he talks about it. And so that's why he's saying, don't give out of pressure, but hey, I'm going to do this. So in 2 Corinthians, verse, in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 1, this is the passage just right before what we read. It, it says this. Now I want you to know, dear brothers and sisters, what God in his kindness has done through the churches in Macedonia. Pause for a second. Uh, do you realize it says, Paul says, the church is. Like there's an E-S at the end. The churches in Macedonia. It wasn't about one particular body, but it was actually a group of churches working together on the same mission. I just want to pause right there and say there are great churches around here. We are not in competition. We are in cooperation. We are all on the same mission as the see people get their lives changed by the power of the gospel. Okay? Uh, so how does Paul describe the churches in Macedonia? We're there. All right. We got it. So verse 2, they are being tested by many troubles, and they are very poor, but they are also filled with abundant joy which has overflowed in rich generosity. It doesn't say that they were filled with cash, they had deep pockets. It says that they were filled with abundant joy, which overflowed into generosity. It wasn't the depth of their pockets that determined their giving, it was their joy. They were quite literally, according to that passage, cheerful givers. Now, if we keep going in verse three, it says this. For I can testify that they gave not only what they could afford, but far more. And they did it out of their own free will. They gave more than they could afford. Remember, what you plant determines what you harvest, and they didn't do it out of pressure or guilt. They did it completely out of their own free will. Paul continues. This part, this part gets me in verse 4 here. It says, they begged us again and again for the privilege of sharing in the gift for the believers in Jerusalem. This is a group of believers that is begging for the privilege of sharing in a gift for other believers. They didn't want to miss out. They didn't want to be left out. They wanted to bless others. They considered it a privilege to be a part of this offering. Uh, and, and in verse 5, it continues on, and it says this. They even did more than we had hoped. 
This is the people experiencing all the troubles, and it described them as very poor. They even did more than we had hoped, for their first action was to give themselves to the Lord and to us just as God wanted them to do. I want to just stay there for a second. Why uh, did they did more than others had even hoped for? Like they already took up the offering, they got more than they even hoped for. Why? And it tells us right there, because their first action wasn't to, to fill the offering plate. Their first action was to give themselves to God. It's just as God wanted them to do. They begged to give because they were God's first. Submitting to God before anything or anyone else. They were on mission with their lives. And subsequently, they were on mission with their money. They gave so that the word of the Lord could be spread. Uh, it says they're sending funds back to Jerusalem, which is kind of like, that's kind of where the church began. There's a lot that happened there, okay? Uh, and the church in Jerusalem at this time, at yeah, this time when Paul's writing this, is really struggling. It's, it's weak. It's suffered a lot of persecution. There was a famine, so it's kind of poverty-stricken. And uh, to put that into our world, because sometimes we don't, we don't think about this, um, that'd be like the OKC Metro falling on tough times. All right, Refuge Church, uh, we've had a famine. Things are rough. Inflation's through the roof. All right, okay, maybe that one's too close to home, but we're there. But anyways, uh, it'd be like we're struggling here, and our missionaries gather up an offering uh, to help us make it through. They want to see the struggling church through a challenging time. So let's just say, let's put some, let's put some details to this. Let's just say our missionaries to Slovenia. Uh, and we had a conversation with them last time they were here. They are the weird people in Slovenia because they have air conditioning in their house. They're weird. And they're like, we keep it at like 76, and people come in and are like, it's freezing in the middle of summer. I'm like, 76? I'd die. I'm like, that's hot. We're keeping it at 68. Uh, anyways, uh, people don't spend money on that over there because they don't have the money for those type of comforts. It's a low-income part of the world. It'd be like them, our missionaries in Slovenia, sending money back here to support Refuge Church. Not only did they say they wanted to do that, and they did that, they are begging to send that money. And no one's holding their feet to the fire. They're doing it because they want the, th the church to thrive locally and around the world. The question again, it's why? Why would they be begging to send support? It's not because they're rich. Right? We, we find out in that first verse, that they, uh, second verse, that they are actually, it says very poor. It's because they are overflowing with joy because they seek God first. Not second, not third, not fourth. They seek God first. Not just that they seek God, they seek him first. The order matters. And so what Paul is the one who's organizing this uh, to bring this offering to the church in Jerusalem. And I want to make one quick comment on how, how he did it. Because uh, he didn't just come and say, hey, I'm, what's going to happen is I need 15 minutes to draw an offering. When I get, like, give me 15 minutes stage time. We're going to tell everybody, hey, you should give. I'll put the pressure on them and then we'll give. No, he's saying, hey, I I'm coming. I'm going to come visit you guys. Uh, and I don't want to be talking about money there. I want to be encouraging. I want to edify. I want to pick you guys up. And we need money for this offering in Jerusalem. Uh, take care of that for me before I even get there. Like, I'm not coming to talk about money. I want to come and edify you. So, hey, we're going to have this offering that we're going to collect. I want you guys to have already collected it, and I'll just take that, and I'll go uh, give it to the believers in Jerusalem. And I think that's really important. 
I think Paul shows us an important lesson when it comes to our finances and it comes to money. You have to make decisions before the moment. To not make decisions based on a feeling, but to be disciplined to make a decision before that moment happens, before that emotion gets to you. That's part of being a mature adult. Dave Ramsey says it this way. He says, kids do what they feel. Adults devise a plan and follow it. Has anybody, all right, it's, I'm going to raise my hand as, not as an example. I like to say raise your hand, but because this is me. Has anybody ever made a stupid purchase before based off of a feeling? Been there, done that, all right? We have all been there. Uh, maturing is realizing and getting further away from that feeling and devising a plan and following it. Devising a plan and following it. Uh, Paul is telling the church his plan. Hey, here's where we're going. Plan accordingly. This is what we're going to do. Uh, 2 Corinthians 8, verse 8, uh, just a few verses down from here, says it this way. I'm not commanding you to do this. He's not putting their feet to the fire. I'm not commanding you to do this, but I am testing how genuine your love is by comparing it to the eagerness of other churches. Notice he didn't say I'm comparing it to the amount of other churches. Your love is not tied to the amount. He's comparing it to their eagerness or their, their heart, their attitude towards giving. This is a test. It's not a test about how much money. It's a test about how much you love. Uh, what do you love? You can look at your uh, bank statement, and it might tell you uh, some things that you love. Um, some of y'all says, I love Chick-fil-A, all right, just being real, okay? Uh, some of you guys say, I love uh, my kids' athletic activities, their sports. Uh, some of you guys says, I like nice cars. Some of you guys are like, I have a house that's too big for me. That's what I love. That's where all my money is going. Your finances show what you love. Uh, it's not the only way to show love, but uh, those statements, those are receipts, all right, for the things that you value, quite literally. Uh, John 14, 15 says this. This is Jesus talking. Say the yellow way with me. If you love me, if you love me, obey my commandments. It's Jesus. There is no greater motivator than love. Love motivates far greater, so much more than fear. It does. Unfortunately, in the world we live in, we get a lot of people that are motivated by fear. They're getting motivated by putting the fire to them, putting the pressure on them. Love motivates way better than fear. There's no greater motivator than love. Uh, and I, I got to be honest with you, I had a conviction, a personal conviction, and this is for, for me and my family and our tithe. Uh, there was a time where uh, I would try to remember to give our tithe every Sunday. And when you work at a church, Sundays are kind of like game day, so it's a little hectic sometimes. And there would be times where, uh, just being real here, we'd be a little late on getting our tithe. It'd get there, just not in a timely manner. It wasn't like we were holding anything back. It was just that we'd get busy, forget, whatever. Uh, and I was personally convicted that, hey, uh, if I knew what day would be payday, why wouldn't I just set up so when payday happens, uh, it's recurring, it just gives God 10% off the top. I love God, why wouldn't I put him on the top? And I felt a little pressure there, why? I gotta make sure that I can't have, a, I can't have it bounce going to the church, right? I gotta get my finances in order to do that. It felt different. I don't have to worry about getting it right because Kelsey and I, we pay our tithe, we give our tithe every payday, it's automatic. 
right? The first and the 15th goes there every other Friday. It goes there. I don't have to think about it. And it just, if I have my taxes, if I have my retirement contributions, if I have all these other things that are auto-deducted, why wouldn't I include God in that too? Is he not more important than all those things? It's not that someone held my feet to the fire. This is a personal conviction. I'm not coming down on you. Nobody put my feet to the fire and said I need to do that. It's like, if I really love God more than I love these other things, why don't I have him on top? He needs to be there. Even if at times that can be a little intimidating. My challenge for you today is to put God to the test. What would it look like for you to put God to the test with your finances? Would it be to start giving? Uh, would it be to start tithing? Would it be to start giving above your tithe? Would it be to start giving towards missions? Uh, what would it look like for you to put God to the test uh, with your finances? Uh, Kelsey and I both went to Bible college. Uh, I was there four years, got one degree. Kelsey was there six years and got two degrees. Uh, she's much more studious than me. My wife's awesome like that. Uh, but one of the problems with going to Bible college, uh, most of your friends uh, are pursuing a ministry position. Uh, and sometimes ministry positions, uh, you've got to go raise your own support, depending on what you're doing. Um, that means all your friends call you asking for money if you don't know what I'm, if you're not picking up what I'm setting out. Uh, okay, so I'll never forget, we have a friend, he's raising support to get them to the mission field. Uh, he called me, and I was on staff at a church, and he was asking about support. And I was like, well, man, I don't get to add missionaries. That's, that's my pastor's decision. But I, let me tell you, man, I'll put your mailer deal on his desk. I'll talk you up to him. Uh, like, I'll do everything I can. It's not my decision, but I'm going to, I'll put you on the top of the stack. Like, I'm going to help you out. And he said, no. Uh, actually, I wasn't calling for the church's support. Uh, I'm calling for yours. Oh, uh, bro, I'm broke. I got a young son and a pregnant wife and a youth pastor salary. Like, there's not a lot of margin here. Uh, my heart was to use the church as a cover instead of personally getting involved. And that was a conversation that, that really stretched me. Uh, we prayed about it, and uh, Kelsey and I talked about it, and we personally started giving uh, to their ministry. And then we had another friend who shortly after that was going to the mission field. Guess who they called? Guess who started supporting them? And we had a third one who got called. Guess what? We started supporting them, and we still do those three friends today. We still support them. It's not crazy amounts of money. But like we've said throughout the series, it's not about the amount. It's all about your heart. If these are people we love, these are our friends, and they are serving the God we love, ministering to people around the world, why would I not get involved in that? It's about love. Uh, the first friend who called me up and asked for support is actually our missionary partner to Slovenia, David Lusa. Some of you guys were here when he spoke a while back. Um, I want to unpack a few things here. He called, asked for support. I was slow uh, to give it, but I came around. I was like, hey, let me talk to my wife. I got to pray about this. Always good advice for a marriage, all right, before you're spending money to, to pray about it and talk to your, your spouse. Um, and then uh, something happened. I, I was getting ready for refuge, and we had to raise some money to get going. And uh, I was just talking to him, asking, how, how do you do this? How do you ask, like, people to support you? Because this is foreign territory for me. And he was like, dude, you just ask people for money. Like, that's all you do. And I was like, what? This sounds awful, all right? 2021, we fundraised. That was the most not fun year of my life. I do not like talking about money, I'm telling you. Uh, but I'm talking to him about this, and I want to brag on him for a minute. He doesn't know I'm doing this, but uh, do you know who the first pledge to Refuge Church was for our launch budget. 
was before we even publicly had started the process. Uh, the first pledge was David and Malia Lusa, missionaries to Slovenia. The first pledge to support a church in Oklahoma was a missionary couple living in Slovenia. It's all about the heart. It's not about the amount. And now, right, now they get support from us as a church through refuge, actually through your generosity from the above and beyond offering. We got to send them a good-sized check to make an impact for the gospel in Slovenia. Why, why am I saying all this? Because I can look back at all of these moments and see how God has used each step to not only allow us to bless others, but to be blessed in return. Not always a financial blessing, but here's the truth. Obedience brings blessings. Obedience brings blessings. Uh, there's no way around it. Malachi 3 uh, says this, should people cheat God, yet you have cheated me? But you ask, what do you mean? When did we ever cheat you? You have cheated me of the tithes and offerings due to me. Malachi, he's writing to uh, God's people in Judah, Judea. And he says that they're cheating God. They're cheating God because they aren't giving God what is his. They aren't honoring God with their offerings. And here's the truth. Obedience brings blessings, while disobedience brings consequences. It says that their disobedience, them cheating God, uh, brought a curse for the whole nation. So it says in verse, verse 9, look at this. You are under a curse, for your whole nation has been cheating me. Obedience brings blessings. Disobedience brings consequences. Let's look at verse 10, these next verses here. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse. This is Obedience. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse so there will be enough food in my temple. If you do, says the Lord of heaven's armies, what will happen if you do? Obedience leads to blessings. I will open the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out a blessing so great you won't have enough room to take it in. Try it. Put me to the test. Verse 11. Your crops will be abundant for I will guard them from insects and disease. Your grapes will not fall from the vine before they are ripe, says the Lord of heaven's armies. Verse 12, right here. Then all nations will call you blessed, for your land will be such a delight, says the Lord of heaven's armies. Obedience brings blessings. Disobedience brings consequences. The word uh, tie that's used there, and it's become a little misused in our, our church culture. Uh, people often refer to their giving as a tithe. And we talked about this last week. I just think it's good to make this distinction. Uh, the word tithe literally translates a tenth. We see that word in both the Old Testament and the New Testament. I think it's safe to say that a tithe or a tenth is a good place to start when it comes to generosity. Uh, by definition, a tithe can't be less than a tenth. So if someone said, I tithe 5%, that would be like saying, I 10% 5%. Okay? That don't make sense, right? Hear me out, you can certainly give less than 10%, but you can't tithe less than 10%. And he says, if you bring all your tithe, God will open the windows of heaven for you. God will pour out blessings so great, you won't even have enough room to take them in. And I absolutely, 100% believe that to be true. Obedience brings 
blessings. It's not a guarantee of a financial blessing. Please get me right. It's not about that. It's about a blessing. Obedience to God is a promise of blessing. And not only, uh, not only that, God says something that you really don't see in Scripture like this anywhere else. Let's go back to, to verse 9 here. Uh, there at the end, it says something that I want us to, to pick up on. Sorry, it's the end of verse 10. God says, try it. Put me to the test. Put me to the test. Do you trust God enough? Do you love him enough, even if you're shaking, to take that step, to put him to the test? Would you try it? Would you bring your tithe and then see how God would show up? You might be saying, I can't afford 10%. That, that could be true. Uh, why don't you try with 5%? Maybe saying, I can't do 5%, maybe 2.5%, and then see what happens. I want to get this clear. It's never about the amount. It is always about the heart. What if you can't afford to miss the blessing that will come from your obedience? It's not always going to be a financial blessing, but it is a promise. Obedience to God is a promise of blessing. Uh, I heard a quote this week, uh, and it really, really st uh, just stuck with me. It's from Louis Giglio. They have a conference called Passion, and he, he said this this week there. Uh, I was not there. I just had a friend who was there who told me this. He said, uh, what has your attention has your affection. What has your attention has your affection. Uh, we looked at verses uh, especially last week, that clearly show giving is about what you love. It's about what has your uh, affection. Uh, it's not about it's not about the wallet. It's about the heart. One of the disconnects is uh, I, I see is that we say God has our affections, we love Him, uh, but He doesn't have our attention. And if something doesn't have your attention, it cannot have your affection. If I go on a date with my wife and I am on my phone and inattentive, I don't think she's going to feel very uh, affectionate. She's gonna, not going to feel like I'm being very affectionate to her, right? Uh, I'm not showing her my attention. What has your attention is directly tied to what has your affection. Where is your attention? Where does your mind maybe wander to in those empty moments? I'd say those are the things that have your attention, things you cannot get off your mind. If those have your attention, that means they have your affection. That means they have your love. What are you looking at? Where are you focused? There's a lot of good, even great areas that, that we need to focus on. Your, your spouse, your kids, your family, your finances, your hobbies. But if God isn't number one, something uh, is out of order. Uh, next week we have our birthday party. Uh, and we're going to share a word. We're going to have a word for Refuge Church in 2023. All right, a lot of people do that. And they get a word for the year. We're going to do that as a church. Uh, people will cling to that uh, to give them some... Uh, focus for the year. 
It could be a word like patience or, or maybe grace or grit, gumption, uh, a word that's gonna help them guide their decisions uh, for the year. I did that in 2021, my word was so, like the scatter seed. I wanted to generously scatter seed to see what type of harvest God would bring. Uh, I did a lot of things that were new and challenging to me in that year because I was like, God, I'm just gonna scatter seed, I'm gonna see what happens. I'm saying yes. And I tried to use that word to, to bring focus and clarity. Who do I wanna become? I can't stay still if I wanna become that person. And I've got two words for you and for me that will change your life more than anything else. Uh, these two words have just as much impact on the x-ray tech as they do as the pastor, as the teacher, as the drug addict, as the stay-at-home mom, or the CEO. So wherever you find yourself, these two words will change and challenge you in the best way possible. You ready? That's, it's the last slide up there. All right. Let's go over a few. Yes, Lord. Those are the two words. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. I don't know what question you're asking me, God, but I believe that if you will say yes to what God is telling you, he will show up. He'll do things you couldn't even have dreamed of. Yes, Lord. It could be with your tithe. God, I'm going to give you 10% of my income right off the top. I'm going to say yes, Lord, the tithing. It could be, I'm going to say yes, Lord. I'm going to start that Bible study at work. It could be say, yes, Lord, I'm going to invite my neighbors to come to church. I mean, yes, Lord, I'm going to invite people to church. Yes, Lord, I'm going to do things your way in my business. Yes, Lord, I'm going to use my gifts and serve in the church. Yes, Lord, I'm going to quit hiding my faith and boldly witness to my coworkers. It doesn't matter where you are at. The words you need are yes, Lord. Would you, guys, would you guys say that with me? Uh, would you just echo it back to me? Say those words with me. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. One more time. Yes Lord. yes, Lord. Right now, if you are feeling a little pressure to say yes, Lord, to an area of your life, that's not pressure for me. I don't want it to be. It's the Holy Spirit prompting you. That's God saying, trust me. Put me to the test. Try it. Don't push that away. Surrender to it. Two most powerful words you can say. Yes, Lord. Let's pray.